The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dune Wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of John Arizzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast, the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news and breaking developments that happened in real time, and now we get to relive those moments right here on this podcast. Uh, First, we're very happy and want to thank you all for the positive comments and feedback from all of you for the past uh, uh, for the past few shows and last week's show with Eric Bischoff got a tremendous response and uh, what a great YouTube uh, video that is as well for those of you who uh, watch it instead of listen to it on all your favorite podcast platforms. There's a lot of news to cover from 30 years ago on this particular episode. Um, we uh, we will be having some fun with this one, looking back from 30 years ago. Uh, we have the announcement of the return on WEVD to talk about, and uh, we cover the biggest news story that broke that week, the firing of Bill Watts from WCW. So we will cover that show with vintage clips from the original broadcast, that ran on WNYG back on February the 13th, 1993. Uh, Before we get to all of that, I do want to make a couple of quick plugs here. Our Patreon account, thank you for those new members that have joined us. Uh, We seem to be picking up a little momentum there, which is really cool. And I want to thank everybody. And I want to thank our new members as well who joined up. Uh, Patreon account is so important because it helps with the production costs for the show. Uh, five bucks a month gets you in the door, and that gives you early access to the podcast. It gives you the all the original episodes that ran 30 years ago, 30-plus years ago, if you count uh, where we started in 1989. So you get 192 shows, plus some old college shows as well, for just five bucks a month. Uh, there are other tiers uh, uh, that are increase what you get content-wise and exclusivity. Uh, so we have uh, a lot of fun. And I also want to thank everybody from our Patreon community who joined us for our Zoom call this past week. We'll be doing another one next week as well. And also our eBay store is up and running and doing pretty well. I got a lot of very cool stuff up there. Uh, a lot of people are really digging uh, what I'm putting up. This is all my personal collection. This is stuff from my archives. It's stuff that I have kept for many, many years, whether it's vintage wrestling photos or 
uh, old rock and roll concert photos that they shot of people like Paul McCartney and Wings and Queen and Dan Fogelberg and Elton John and uh, Billy Joel and and so many others. I just uh, have so much stuff here. And now I'm giving you the opportunity to own stuff from my personal collection. Uh, there's Met stuff up there, too. And uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's really it's really fun to do this uh, and people are appreciating uh, the opportunity uh, to purchase some of this great stuff on our eBay store. If you want to look for me on eBay, it's under the username Matt memories. So go to ebay.com forward slash USR forward slash Matt memories to see the items listed. And I sold several books uh, on our eBay store, signed and numbered. So um, that is rocking. And that's where I do my auctions now. I used to have a Facebook page called uh, The Marketplace. uh, uh, But now everything has shifted over to eBay. Well, um, before we get to the meat of the show, uh, we have to send out our uh, very best wishes to Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, We're taping this show on uh, Freddie Blassie's birthday, February the 8th. Uh, But we got news uh, yesterday that uh, the king had uh, another medical uh, emergency. This time it was a stroke uh, down in Florida. So uh, uh, it was uh, everyone thought it was kind of touch and go yesterday. But it it looks like Jerry uh, is going to recover from this. Um, A couple of uh, posts that were on Twitter Uh, The first one was from Jim Ross that came out uh, last night on Twitter, and it reads, I spoke very briefly with Jerry Lawler tonight. He's obviously weak, but I could understand his affected speech. Jerry's prognosis is positive, but he needs all our thoughts and prayers. The hashtag, love you, King. And uh, just a little while ago, as we taped this, uh, the uh, Jerry the King Lawler Twitter account uh, put up an update. And it simply reads, update on Jerry. After suffering a massive stroke Monday, he's now recovering in a Fort Myers, Florida hospital. His speech is limited, but with rehabilitation, will regain a full recovery, which is great news. He thanks everyone for the continued prayers and will be back in the near future. So our best wishes to Jerry the King Lawler. uh, And we hope that he has a very speedy recovery and a very... um, a very quick re- rehabilitation because we'd love to see him back on TV real soon. And the King is certainly an icon in the wrestling business. And also um, personally, um, uh, several years ago, I worked uh, for a record label in town uh, here in Nashville called Black River Entertainment. Uh, I was their vice president of strategic marketing and artist management. The company uh, was owned by the Pagula family, Terry Pagula, Kim Pagula out of Buffalo. They also own the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, and I got to know them really, really well. Um, wonderful people. Uh, last July, there were there was a report that came out that Kim Pagula, the wife of Terry, uh, had a medical emergency, and they kept it really under wraps. Uh, Jesse Pagula is the daughter uh, of uh, Kim and Terry, and she's the, rated the number four female tennis player in the world right now. Uh, and uh, she revealed finally that her, her mom had um, a heart uh, issue uh, that they've kept under wraps, that, that she actually um, 
suffered uh, cardiac arrest at her home in Boca Raton, Florida last summer and has been in rehabilitation uh, and uh, and care facilities ever since. And she's lost uh, a lot of her cognitive abilities. And she was such a vibrant person. And I'm sending out my best wishes uh, to the family. They're just a wonderful family. And uh, I got to fly on their private plane. We had meetings in Washington, D.C. with Senator Scott Brown when we were courting an artist named Ayla Brown at the time. And uh, so uh, they're wonderful people. And uh, it doesn't matter if you have $5 in your pocket or $15 billion in your pocket uh, when something like this happens. And it was kept under wraps for so many months. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with the Bagula family uh, for uh, and, and for Kim, who just is an incredible, incredible, vibrant woman. And she was the president uh, of the uh, Buffalo Bills, still is, but um, she's been out for quite a long time. And from what a daughter says, uh, she really will never be the same again. And that's truly sad. Um, well, I mean, let's uh, go back. Let's bring Marsh on. Uh, and, uh, we have a big show to cover today. And I tell you, it yeah. seems like every week, Marsh, um, between people who are passing away unexpectedly to news that you get, I mean, it's just so sad and life is so precious, man. Yeah. I get more sentimental every single day. It seems, you know, yeah, you just wait till you get a little older. You know, it's like years ago, it's like you hear about stuff and it was like you couldn't really relate to it. But the older you get, you relate to it because uh, Lanny Poffo was 67 or 68. Yeah. And uh, even Kim Pagula, who was uh, still in her 50s. I mean, it, it's just I don't talk about the Pagulas very much, but um, they're incredible. I mean, I left Black River. They had put their um, uh, Kim Pagula was adopted and she uh uh, she was adopted and uh, her uh, her brother her who adopted her, her the family the Kerr family adopted Kim uh, and uh, he was in charge of the record label and um, I had wonderful experiences with the family but uh, uh, Gordon Kerr and I were close at one time and and then you know things fall apart sometimes but uh, i wish the entire family the best and i know that yeah. gordon and his family go up to buffalo quite often to see kim and so anyway it's just kind of like it's that point of life where it's like every day it seems like something bad is happening you know you lose somebody someone gets sick someone has a heart attack or stroke or whatever and it's just it's it's scary yeah we're getting hit the whole gamut in this past couple months too i mean even with uh yeah i mean jay briscoe was my age and yeah you know and then so yeah, uh, absolutely. I totally appreciate the idea of giving a, a time, a little bit of time up top to talk about it. So, yeah, and and the stuff that we're covering right now too. I mean, when you look at the death of Andre the Giant from a few weeks ago, and yeah. uh, and now you look at even the show that we're going to be covering next week, which is, uh, you know, the suicide of uh, Carrie Von Eric, and we're going to be covering that. And, um, you know, I did hear from. Uh, I had lunch the other day with a gentleman named J.R. Schulman who ran Sirius XM's country channels here and uh, have been having, you know, regular lunches with him. Uh, he's not with Sirius XM anymore. He's doing consulting. He's doing some representation and uh, he's from the Dallas area mm -hmm. and he was a big wrestling fan. And lo and behold, he's been doing business with the Von Erichs, with Kevin and with the twins 
And uh, so um, the other day we had lunch and I said, listen, I'm doing this big um, retrospective 30 year anniversary of Kerry's passing. Uh, would you reach out to Kevin to see if he'd be interested in doing the show and send him a couple of links from our past few episodes. And, uh, and then I got the uh, text yesterday that Kevin has agreed to come on the show. So uh, it, it ain't real till it happens, <laughs> but yeah. I'm dealing, uh, I'm, I'm going over logistics with his daughter uh, right now. They're in Hawaii. And uh, I reached out to somebody else who uh, uh, was uh, uh, instrumental back then, but uh, if we can get Karen, uh, Kevin on the show uh, to pay tribute to his brother 30 years later, I think that'll be a very cool episode for everybody. It'd be really nice. It'd be really nice to hear the, the, the stories that he'd be wanting to share, you know? Yeah. 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 And you don't want to dwell on, you know, what happened, but Carrie had such a big impact on everybody's life. And so did the Von Eric family. There's a film coming out uh, called the iron claw. Uh, that's from a yeah. 24, which is a huge film company out in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, MJ MJF has been uh, cast as Lance Von Eric. Uh, so uh, this movie is coming out uh, feature film with the uh, major distribution by a 24 in the first quarter of 2024. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of publicity around this film next year. So, uh, that'll be good for next week, but, uh, we're here to talk about, uh, show number 192, February 13th, 1993. The firing of Bill Watts was the big story in wrestling. And the other big story was, uh, uh, a, a certain pro wrestling radio show was about to, uh, return to the New York city airwaves. And incidentally, uh, uh for this episode, uh, um, we are waiting on a guest to join us, kind of like in the old days of Pro Wrestling Spotlight. It's like you reached out and someone said they are going to come on and talk about it. Someone who was instrumental in what happened to Bill Watts. So uh, uh, this gentleman and I have uh, gone back and forth uh, today and yesterday. I sent him an email a few days ago and he just got it today. He just read it today and he says, yeah, I could come on for a while and uh uh, so hopefully he'll be joining us uh, before too long, and then we'll put him right on like we did back in 30 there years ago, Marsh. Yeah. Yeah. When we got him on the line. I'm the old uh, Bruce Jacobs for you this time. Yes, you are. Marsh Jacobs. Marsh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, even in here, you talked about it in the opening. We didn't. Uh, I didn't clip it, but you mentioned that he was with you since 89, that you guys worked together for a long time, and you were taking him with you back to EVD. Yeah, yeah, Bruce was somebody who uh, we gave his start in the wrestling business, and he's out in your neck of the woods, actually. Well, you, how far are you from Phoenix? Hour and a half. Okay, because he's on the radio every day. Really? He's got his own talk show, yeah. So Bruce was a, a, a salesman uh, for PC Richards, which was an electronics store on Long yes. Island that sold TVs and all that stuff. And my sister met him. And, uh, you know, my sister, you know, has a way of talking to everybody she meets. And and he said that he really wanted to get in radio. And then she introduced Bruce to me in 1989 when Pro Wrestling Spotlight was just starting. And I gave him his first opportunity to, to come in and, and work with me on Pro Wrestling Spotlight and became a dear friend. Uh, left uh, and because he uh, he segued into being the sports director at WNYG and having his own talk show. Uh, and then, um, and then, uh, you know, Bruce comes back and he spends this entire year with me, um, 
can't take that call right now. So if you hear something ringing, I thought I had my phone on mute, but I guess my iPad is is ringing. Oh. Anyway, yeah. So uh, so Bruce uh, actually uh, wound up going to Southeast Asia with me. Uh, oh on yeah, the, yeah. Uh, IWS tour. So yeah, more about Bruce uh, down the road. But he's a dear friend, and now he is out. Uh, had a big career. He worked a little bit for. Uh, ESPN radio and and uh, I believe he also did a few stints on WFAN and and was in Chicago for a while and now he's uh, back in he's in Phoenix living a good life and doing a uh, uh, a talk show every day. I always like finding the the random wrestling connections to basically everybody who is around. You know, like yeah. Sean Mooney does the local news here in my city. And every mm-hmm. time we see him, we go like, "There's our guy." <laughs> you know, there's our guy, right? He's one I of mean, us. there's so many of them, so many out yeah. there. You know, so John Clark is another one in Philly, a big sportscaster mm-hmm. there, and look where he started. And uh, anyway, so uh, yep. we have a good one today, and uh, we're going to talk about what happened during that uh, historic week, if you look at it, in 1993. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot that happened, and almost none of this show has anything to do with in-ring wrestling. Very little. There's so much happening outside of the ring. You did make a comment about Bruce, though, that both of you guys came in on time today, which was the first time since September. That gave me a chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are both perpetually late. Yeah, sometimes you dreaded it, you know, just because of NYG was NYG. But uh, yeah, but we always made it. Always made it. Did our deal. So good. So good. Uh, did you want me to start with the libel capsule and we'll see what's going Absolutely. on? Absolutely. That's what started off every one of our shows back then. So why not? Uh, let's hear what Donnie has to say on the news capsule from 30 years ago. Yeah, you got into it pretty quick. You did your opening and then straight to Donnie. So here we go. In uh, today's capsule, uh... I have uh, but one real in-ring story to talk about. Uh, I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate how you look at it, but uh, I guess that's the sign of uh, changing times. Yes, indeed. All right. Leading off things with the capsule, the axe has fallen in World Championship Wrestling. WCW Executive Vice President Cowboy Bill Watts was fired this past Wednesday. Watts' successor, at least for the time being, is Ole Anderson. Another interesting front office move was made as the company re-signed Dusty Rhodes to a two-year contract. Now, Watts was brought aboard to run WCW last May, replacing Jim Hurd. Now, ironically, when the Cowboy was hired, one of his first moves was to bring back Anderson into the promotion's fold. Now, with Ric Flair's return to WCW expected in the next week or two, there is much speculation of the Nature Boy being elevated to the top decision-making position at that time. And Missy Hyatt will be returning to familiar grounds at ringside. The blonde bombshell is now managing the twosome of Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, better known as the Hollywood Blondes. And following the World Wrestling Federation's lead, WCW will be presenting four pay-per-views in 1993, replacing the Great American Bash with Beach Blast. And Russell War has been eliminated totally from the schedule, this according to the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly. Well, legal eagles have invaded the wrestling game once again. New York Post columnist Phil Mushnick is reporting that before the end of this month, it is expected that the ultimate warrior, Jim Helwig, will be filing a lawsuit against Titan Sports, parent company to the World Wrestling Federation. Helwig's attorney, Michael Kennedy, who has represented Ivana Trump and Gene Harris in the past, among the expected allegations being presented by Helwig are wrongful termination of employment, along with, quote, nastier things, end of quote. 
Now, over in the New York Daily News' Richard Johnson column this past week, it has been reported that Titan Sports has filed a lawsuit against former headliner Nails. And if that's not enough, Paulie Dangerously will be taking the folks at Turner Broadcasting to court, suing over his controversial dismissal. And the news covered Paulie's explanations as to why he felt he was wronged, but Bill Watts wasn't available for comment. Now back to the in-ring happenings. Last Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee, the Moondogs, Spot and Splat, re-won the United States Wrestling Association tag team title from twins Ron and Don Harris. And tonight in the Music City, it's Jerry the King Lawler defending his USWA heavyweight unified belt against the narcissist Lex Luger. Finally, from the scrapbooks, it was 16 years ago today in wrestling, 1977, in Lansing, Michigan, Tony Marino defeated Dominic DiNucci in NWA action, while right here on Long Island in WWWF competition, champion Bruno Sammartino went to a no contest with challenger Stan Stasiak, and the executioner squashed Mark Tendler and partner Pete Sanchez. For Pro Wrestling This Week, I'm Don Libel reporting. Capsule time, 10.08. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of going is on outside of the ring. A lot of lawsuits. This is a lawsuit heavy time yeah. frame. And it was kind of crazy because this week also was when McMahon, Vince McMahon, went on the offensive. He started uh, filing suits. And I think we talked, did we talk about Nails on this episode and yeah. his appearance? So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But they, uh, they, they went wild. Uh, uh, they filed suit uh, 30 years ago this week. McMahon filed suit on Thursday, February 11th, actually, in uh, response to charges that aired in April on the show now it could be told which was a Geraldo Rivera hosted show and uh they did a whole expose on uh, WWF and Vince McMahon uh and and they filed suit against uh Rivera uh this uh 30 years ago on February 11th uh the suit also alleged uh that David Schultz conspired with former WWF referee Reader Chatterton who was the focus of it, of the now what can be told report claiming that she was forced to allegedly have sex with McMahon in the limousine. Ironically, 30 years later, that suit has been settled yeah. allegedly for millions of dollars. So that's just like a month ago, right? A couple yeah, of yeah, ago. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Her- Geraldo, uh, in an interview he did with the Hartford, uh, Corian newspaper, uh, Quoted, there was a quote by Rivera saying, It's a mark of honor to be sued by the WWF and <laughs> vowed and vowed I will body slam them in court. So, uh, and, and this was also around the time that McDivitt, Jerry McDivitt, the attorney for the WWF, was going wild. They, they were uh, within the next week, and we'll cover it more on next week's program. They file suit against Phil Muchnick. Uh, from the New York Post, a major lawsuit there that they eventually dropped 
So that was going down because Muchnick called McMahon Hannibal Lecter and all kinds of other things and covered him so uh, critically uh, from 91 until this time. And it's kind of ironic, too, in the February 8th New York Post, um, uh, Muchnick's column, which Don uh, referenced, reported that Hellwig, who wrestled as Ultimate Warrior, was soon to file a multi-million dollar lawsuit against McMahon. So the lawsuits were flying. The yeah. lawsuits were flying back and forth. It was crazy. All over. Now, you'd mentioned before in a couple episodes that you were going to have nails on. In this episode, you mentioned that you were getting attacked about not having certain people on to say certain things. Did you already record an interview with Nails by this point? Because sometimes you pre-recorded him. No, I mean, he was going to come on the show live to do an interview. And then uh, do you have that clip to play now? Or do you want, is there a clip of me talking about it or or no? I didn't pull a clip of you talking about it specifically because it was so vague. Well, because I got a letter. uh, I got a letter warning me not to put him on. Specifically him. Because in the the clip, all you say is, is... uh, when we move to EVD, you're like, I'm going to have anybody on I want to have on. No one's going to tell me who to have on. But that was kind yeah. of what you had said. And so I was yeah. kind of like, I was just going to challenge you on it, ask you about it more than than find three minutes yeah, of you think, walking uh, around the bush. If, if you, you know, if you want to hear the entire show, go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi. The entire show is there. There was just a lot. Yeah. There was a lot going on uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, but that was kind of, of like, yeah, that was one of the, uh, that was one of the, the things that were happening during that uh, during that year in real time. I mean, my goodness, it was, and I never really got uh, I never really got uh, a lot of legal stuff. I know that they sent legal letters to WEVD uh, on some of the content, some of the guests that I did have. So it was a it was a very tumultuous time still, uh, and uh, and then of course um, uh, this particular show where uh, the Watt story took prominence uh, and and hopefully uh, we'll be getting our guest on shortly to discuss it. But that was a, that was a big point of contention because as a follow-up to Bischoff last week, yeah, he was alluding obviously to what was going on and essentially said that Watts had already been fired, although, you know, essentially fired, but it wasn't uh, made public yet. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. That if he had been moved to the side, it was strictly an outside uh, way of, of not telling anybody that, that they fired him I'm trying to exactly. save face in some way for him uh, exactly um, yeah I was kind of surprised you guys didn't go into detail on this episode about what was said in those interviews just because you never really shied away from that stuff before but I think maybe because there was just too much other stuff going on like you guys didn't really dive into it right I think it was also the fact that we had uh, worked our deal out with, uh, with WEVD and that was your big focus well it was exciting yeah it was it's true it was john yes just like bruce jacobs used to do for you i'm doing it for you today we've got your guest on the line you ready for him i am let's do it mark madden the same how are you it's been a long time years john yep good to talk to you again what's going on Oh, man, just doing Pro Wrestling Spotlight. I look back at 30 years ago in the wrestling business, and it's a pleasure to have you here. I mean, I haven't really talked to you in so long. 
thank you so much for joining us because we have a pretty big story that you were involved with that happened 30 years ago this week. Uh, what, the Bill Watts thing? Yes, sir. The Bill is, Watts is, thing. Is Bill still alive? Uh, I think he is still alive, yes. You know, I, I uh, haven't certainly talked to him. Uh, you know, um, he kind of just disappeared. Uh, but he is alive. Yes, he is. Uh, nobody's ever combined being a God-fearing Christian better with with being a despicable bully better. Yeah. Yeah. I had Eric Bischoff on last week because it was the 30-year anniversary of he being appointed executive TV producer for WCW. And Watts had, uh, at the time, we thought he just got bumped down a little bit. So I want to take you through the timeline because you were instrumental. I mean, Watts did that infamous interview with Wade Keller, the Pro Wrestling Torch, in the summer annual of 1991 and said some incredibly horrible, racist, homophobic things. And uh, uh, and then here you go, thir- you know, not too long after that, you got involved. And I want to hear your side, your story about ha- what happened, because you took this right to the top of TBS, including Hank Aaron. So uh, let us know how this happened and 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 how instrumental you might've been to getting Watts well, removed from that position. I don't know, John, how instrumental I was. Only the people who made the decisions at TBS could say that. Okay. Uh, I've been told since, and in fact, got told in the immediate aftermath that it wasn't going to be long before Bill got fired anyway, that I might've just expedited the process. But uh, what happened was Bill, uh, I had done a parody in pro wrestling torch, like a, a storyline about uh, Bill Watts and Dusty Rhodes being dueling bookers to get their each get their kids over more than the other. And, uh, you know, it was funny. It wasn't meant to inflame. It was meant to make people laugh. Uh, you know, I worked with Dusty and WCW after that, and I always had a good relationship with Dusty, and I, I miss him dearly to this day. But yeah. Bill Watts doesn't have a sense of humor. So he got mad about it, and he went on, I guess it was the WCW hotline. Ironic, because I, you know, ended up on, on the WCW hotline. Right. And Bill, Bill, Bill made some, uh, you know, remarks about me. You know, typical Bill Watts. You know, if Madden was in the men's room, he'd be singing Stranger in Paradise. You know, you know, basically just just, just the, the stuff that Bill Watts said. He's a, it, Bill Watts is a stone bigot, Okay. And you can, you know, people have defended him, but look what he said. Look at Keller's interview. Keller didn't make that stuff up. He's a homophobe and he's a bigot. Okay, so when Watts came after me, I decided, well, I like to take bullies down a peg. So I I got the interview he did with Keller. I copied it and I faxed it to Hank Aaron. Mm -hmm. among other people, and then called him asking for comment for a story I was writing, which I did right. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, then what happened after that, John, you know, the people there would have to say if it it made their decision, expedited their decision, or whatever. But uh, if I helped bring him down, I'm glad, because he deserved nothing better. Yeah. Yeah, and you spoke to uh, was it um, Terry McGurk or who who, who are the individuals that you eventually uh, that, that's reached so out? Long ago, John, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever speak to Aaron personally about uh, this, or did Hank see it and then you know then he I had an office a few Aaron, doors from Ted Turner? 
I never spoke to Aaron directly about it. I mean, it might have. I met him a few times, and it might have come up in passing, but no conversation of any note. No. Okay. And uh, yeah, the torch. I mean, uh, when you, and we'll be after you. You know, uh, you're only with us for a short period of time here tonight, uh, and we'll get into a little bit more about what he said in that interview in in uh, 1991 in that in that annual that was well, just. I, I can, imagine I can if he said it. It's unbelievable. Go ahead. Yeah, please. I mean, he said he said if I own a restaurant, I don't want to sell fried chicken to blacks. I shouldn't have to. It's my restaurant. You know, and he and he dropped the other f bomb frequently, just like I said. Just homophobia and bigotry run wild, and yeah. and, uh, and kind of ironic given that that Wade Keller's gay, who, right. who Bill did the interview with, and I and part yeah. of me wonders what Wade was thinking and not responding to him, you know more. I mean, then again, you know you're just conducting the interview, but my God, I mean, if if I would have been interviewing a guy who went off on a tangent like that, I don't know if I would have continued the interview. I mean, yeah. that just, I mean. And people in wrestling, John, you know wrestling. People in wrestling tend to cover any sin the so-called legends have. You know, they they just paper over them because they want so badly to continue to lionize these guys. And, you know, and I still get, you know, well, not still, because I've really, I've really disconnected from wrestling almost totally over the past year or so. Yeah. I don't watch it all anymore. Uh, the only thing I watch is I keep up with the bloodline storyline. And with MJF just watching on on you know YouTube or whatever, and that's yeah, it. I'm, I'm, but, yeah, those those are my two favorite things in the business right now: the Bloodline storyline and MJF. Yeah, they're the only things worth truly watching. They're the only thing that you know kind of take me back to the old days when it was really good instead of buried under five star matches without any purpose or storyline. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we we want so badly to to idolize these people, and Bill Watts was never worthy of that. Never. And, you know, and I know he's like, what is he's like some sort of born again. I mean, you tell me, John, I'm not familiar with him. I don't know too much about what the hell Watts is doing today at all. You know, I don't think a lot of people do. Well, I'm talking about even then, like he was a, you know, he was the, he posed Back as then. the God fearing Christian. Let me tell you, yeah. a God fearing Christian doesn't say that kind of stuff. He doesn't, you know, so if put it this way, if I played some small part in getting him fired, I'm glad I did and I'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah, he said in that torch interview that he uh, went into business. That's why I went into business so I can discriminate. I right, mean, he exactly said, what he said. You know, and and then you know he goes into it a little bit further. It's my business. I can do what the hell I want. So they come in, and this is he's talking about uh, the gay community in in this. Uh, uh, I can't tell a blank to get the f out. I should have the right to not associate with a blank if I don't want to. I mean. Why should I have to hire a effing blank if I don't like blank? I mean, these are things that were just incredible. I mean, of course, we're in the Me Too era and everything else, and everything is uh, so changed from what happened 30 years ago. But this is this is fire. This is reading what happened. It was incredible. And, John, what does it say about wrestling in general, then especially? Yeah. That nobody yeah. reacted to that until I made it a point to force somebody to. Right. That he just, you know, he just continued, you know, la di da, you know, spewing those views and operating as a key figure in pro wrestling. But then again, back then, pro wrestling wasn't nearly as mainstream. It wasn't the bastard, it was a yeah. bastard child back then, and nobody really cared. They they were very content to look the other way. 
Yeah, and uh, Turner, of course, loved wrestling. It was, you know, the show that put his superstation on the map in a lot of ways, the, them and the, Bra- the wrestling and the Braves. Uh, and he always had an affinity for wrestling. But this was around the time where he was getting a little fed up, not just with the money that was being lost, but uh, the direction. And then after this happens with uh, with Watts, and this controversy and he has Hank Aaron, who's a few doors down from him saying, you know, Ted, what, you know, what do you think of this? And all of a sudden it's like, that's it. That's it. Well, like I said, I don't know if I was, you know, directly responsible for it. You'd have to ask the people who ultimately yeah. made that decision. I yeah. always felt that people said that he was on his way out anyway. We're doing that to try to minimize my part in it. Not that I cared then or now right. what my part in it was. Right. Well, I mean, it was certainly was an instrumental story. It was a big story from 30 years ago, Mark. And I wanted to get your perspective on it. I had reached out to Wade as well, uh, but I didn't hear back from Wade. And, uh, you know, and I got your email today and I was so happy that you did finally see it. So at least we can have a little bit of a conversation with you about, you know, what was going on kind of behind the scenes back then and 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 why uh, why this fax was sent. And, uh, yeah, and, how I, and, I'll, and I'll freely admit, John. I sent it to, to try to, you know, get him fired. I mm-hmm. knew what the consequences would be. And I, again, he got nothing less than what he deserved. Yeah, it kind of changed the face of things. Uh, and, and, and he had a lot of courage to do that, too, at the time. Well, I don't know if it took courage to fax something. but Well, you know, it's a, it was a very explosive, uh, it was explosive. Well, and not a lot of people are doing it. Like you said, the wrestling business is such a close community and everyone protects themselves and covers up for everyone. But you're like, all right, I'm doing this. And you did it. Well, ask Eric, ask Eric Bishop why he brought me in under the tent years later. It was easier to deal with me there. I'm a sellout like anybody paid for my house. (laughs) It did. You had some great years at WCW, man. You really did. You've done a lot of great things. Mark. I, I wasn't the I wasn't the best announcer, John. I I was better than people give me credit for, and I'll be honest. I think I'm better than than a lot of them that are on the air today. I just need a little more polish, and honestly, I needed a better product too. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing today, man? Before we let you go, what's your life like today? And uh, um, tell us a little bit about what I'm you're doing. I'm a radio host at WXDX FM in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. also known as 105.9 The X. Okay. Uh, I, I do sports talk from three till six weekdays. It's been the highest rated sports talk show in Pittsburgh for 27 years. Awesome. Uh, not, I'm 62. Not sure how much longer I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I write a, a four times weekly sports column for the newspaper here, the Tribune Review. And, uh, you know, I do some other, you know, really ancillary stuff. But uh, But those are my main endeavors. Haven't been involved in any way with wrestling for over a year now and that's just fine by me i you know in a way i don't want to say i regret the time i spent in it but boy i took fake fighting way too seriously way too long um and it it amazes me that so many people wallow in the history and culture of this when it's you know just a you know no offense to those who do because uh, you know everybody's you know has their own interests and i would never criticize those but um but but it, it's weird. It's just such it's such it's such a self-contained society, and it just it just I don't know. I, I got to be honest. It kind of creeps me out sometimes. It is the bubble, man, uh, and I stay out of the bubble. I I really do. I mean, I had a book that came out, but 
this show, when I uh, my show is more is about memories because how many people you know did uh, you know a six year run on radio and kept every one of the radio shows and now thirty years to the week I I review what I talked about thirty years ago and play the clips from from those shows and it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's funny, John, because I sometimes wonder if it was better then or we just think it was better then because we were younger then. Hmm. I suspect there's probably equal parts of both. Yeah, I would say. I would say. I'm not into today's product. I mean, uh, not nearly like a, I don't, you know, AEW, I'll fast forward it, CMJF or see whatever I, you know, think would be interesting at the time. And and Raw and SmackDown, the same thing. It's just kind of like my my fingers on the the remote and I'm fast forwarding until I see Paul Heyman or Roman Reigns uh, or even Ronda Rousey, who I became a fan of because I, in the beginning she brought a lot of realism and I thought she did an excellent job when she first got there. And uh, so that's really about it. So I focus on what I did 30 years ago. And it's kind of really fascinating to me because now I'm bringing on these guests who can talk. There's not a lot of us. There's not a lot of them that are still around. You know, everyone's so many people are gone. Uh, but to bring a guy like you on, and last week, Eric Bischoff, and two weeks ago, uh, the woman who ran Andre the Giant's farm with her husband, Frenchie, out in North Carolina, and hear oh. her stories, that was really cool. Uh, and upcoming, I mean, we, you know, it, it was such a busy time in wrestling uh, that it's really, it's really well, fun to hear a perspective from 30 years later from people who were actually there. Well, I'm glad to talk to Eric. I have a lot of respect for Eric. He's one of the few people from the old days I still keep even a minor semblance of contact with, and I have a great deal of respect for him. I've said many times, Eric Bischoff is the best boss I've had in any profession. I always knew where I stood with him. And we'll make I, sure he knows that. Yeah, and he knows. He knows. I think that I've said it to him. But yeah, I. But I, I like saying it out loud because he deserves credit. He, you know, running WCW at the time was like dancing through a minefield, mm. and he, you know, with so many masters to to serve, and he. He, he negotiated it and put out like a really good product for so many years. And I think had he been left to his devices, he could have done it again. But there was so much political nonsense that was going on back then, too. You had Russo there. You had, you know, the Hogan faction. It was just kind of uh, I could only imagine what it was back then. That's, that's what I mean, John. I mean, he did a good job tiptoeing through all that. It, it yeah. was amazing how well he did. And I'm not I'm not anti Russo at all either. I. I just think that uh, by the time he got there, you know, we were, well, I don't know. You see, I think we could have regrouped and kept going. I mean, I had been fired by then, but I think the company could have regrouped and kept going had they just cut money and still had the uh, the backing of, of, of Turner to provide TV time. But, yeah. you know, people always talk about the reasons that WCW went out of business. The main reason was that Jamie Kellner just decided he didn't want wrestling on TV anymore. That and no it. matter what other bad happened or what people claim, that was the primary reason. Yeah. Once you lose that TV slot, why? Why? What do you need it for? And then, of course, McMahon comes in and, and buys it for pennies on a dollar and gets that incredible right. library, you know? Right, right. All right, Mark. Well, uh, thank you so much, man. It's good to see you after so many yeah, years. Good gone you. I hope you're doing well. And uh, doing you know, well. if, if, if by some chance some topic comes up, I can help out with call again. But I... Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm working with John Gibbons now. I'm sure he's a name that's familiar with you. John is uh, was the former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays for ten years and oh, uh, icon of Canada. Yeah. Gibby, yeah, Gibby's a fiery guy, and I I got him a book deal. We have a book coming out April the fourth. He's doing a lot of press during that time. Uh, it's called Gibby: Tales of a Baseball Lifer. 
so John and I, you know, we knew each other 40 years. John and I were roommates when I worked for the Mets in the minor leagues in 1981. He and JP Richardi were my roommates and we just kept a 40 year friendship. And a few years ago, uh, you know, he had uh, gotten a release from the Blue Jays and took a job with the uh, uh, Atlanta Braves uh, with Alex Anthropolis. And uh, he had always been talked to about doing a book. And, and I was like, I had my deal. I had ECW Press out of Toronto. I said, what if I could get you a book deal uh, with a company in Toronto? Would you guys, who's going to want to read it? I reached out to the publisher, publisher. If we could do a book on Gibby, I'm in. And we did that deal. And, and now I'm working with John and we have a podcast called the Gibby show, uh, which is the number one baseball podcast in Canada. Uh, and we uh, go back on the air with it uh, right in about three weeks when spring training really starts to kick in. So if you ever want to talk to Gibby, he'd be a fascinating interview for you, man. Well, unfortunately, John, we don't have Major League Baseball in Pittsburgh. It happened for quite some time. <laughs> That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I remember the We Are Family days, and I remember Willie Starge. I remember the legacy of the Pirates, and uh, it's, uh, it's a, uh, I wish that franchise could get back on track, man. So do I. John, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Good to see you. All right, Mark Madden. This is a surprise. It's like it really is like 30 years ago when you get the guest on at the very last minute while the show is in progress being taped. Marsh, we pulled it off. <laughs> we did it. Got it going. He's a cool guy. He's a cool character. I used to listen yeah. to him and Mike's podcast when when that had a yeah. short run and uh, yeah. really interesting perspective. I like that he said that the reason he gave why Eric was the best boss is because I always knew where I stood with him. Yeah, and that was kind of. That yeah. kind of blew me back a little bit because it's like, you know what? Yeah, all the bad bosses, you never know what they want, what they don't, where you stand. You know, like it was kind of cool. Kind of made me think about that. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was really a volatile. And it wasn't until I really uh, dove deep into after the Bischoff show we did last week and and pulled, uh, you know, some copies of the Pro Wrestling Torch from back then and and read the interviews and some of the things that Watts said. And then and when Madden made that fax, this is what happened. This is why 30 years uh, ago, this is really the catalyst and the last straw for Bill Watts. They could not keep him in the company after Madden sent that fax. Yeah. No, I'm mean, hearing the stuff that, I mean, you tried to read a quote. You got half the words. I, could, I couldn't <laughs> do it. And that was just one paragraph of the interview. Yeah. It was, if anyone is a torch VIP member, uh, if you have access to it, I mean, it is uh, the interview, the original interview aired, uh, aired, uh, it was printed in pro wrestling torch annual number four, summer 1991. Uh, and, uh, and that was in the very beginning. So there you go in 1991. And then you go, you know, almost two years later, a year and a half at least. And that's when Madden, because he wrote that parody column <laughs> mm. about, you know, how Watts, uh, was, uh, you know, pushing, you know, who, you know, pushing his son or whatever, who would be and dusty. And, and it was just a parody. And then Watts went nuts on a 900 number and, and Mark uh, got a little vindictive and says, you know what? I'm going to take care of this guy right now and copies the interview, makes photocopies of it and starts faxing it up to the corporate offices of TBS to Hank Aaron. Wow. That's insane. 
Yeah. So we got the backstory on this. We got the backstory tonight, which is really good. And it uh, was cool. It was neat to hear too that it was because I mean, in my mind, I'm trying to like piece it all together. I was like 91. I was like, but we're 93. Like, what's going on? So the idea right. that he's like, well, he picked on me. Yeah, so pull this he, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it was in, a, in another issue of the of the torch that was in '93, yeah. and and then that's when Watts went after him, and then that was it. I think it was kind of checkmate on the part of Mark Madden to yeah. Bill Watts. That was kind of it. It's nuts. It's so interesting, but yeah, yeah. I'm wow. glad you got him. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it was literally. You know, we taped this around six o'clock Eastern, five, and I'd sent them the, the the email a couple of days ago, three days ago. I didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything from Wade, which you know surprises me. I've asked Wade to come on this show multiple times, and uh, after this, I feel you. Thirty years later, such a big story. Yeah. I didn't even get an email response back from him. So, what do you do? And then you know, I said, well, Madden was probably more important, uh, at least. 30 years ago this week than Wade even was. Uh, and yeah. Mark Mark sees the email today, even though it was sent three days ago. And he says, listen, I just saw this. I can do 10 or 15 minutes if you need tonight. And and so we gave him a link and didn't know if he was going to come on or not. And he shows up. So that's kind of cool. I know he yeah. asked why would Wade continue the interview? And yeah. I almost wonder if, I mean, obviously, we can only speculate without Wade saying it, but you would almost think that if you were part of that community and he's saying this stuff, you would keep it going because you would want that out there because you would mm-hmm. want that downfall in a sense, right? Like you'd want right. your reporting so you're not trying to be biased. And also, like, I mean, if he's going to dig his own grave, I'll let him dig his own grave, you know? Yeah, and he did. He uh, And that was published. And, and, and then, as Mark said, a lot of people protect each other. And it wasn't like today. Like today... If this if this interview, let's say 1991's interview in the Pro Wrestling Torch, if the 1991 interview came out in 2021, two, three, it would be over immediately. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Canceled, done, finished. And what he said was so um, racist and so homophobic. And, uh, and the end result? was him getting fired almost two years later after he did the interview with Wade. Fascinating stuff. Wow. What else do we cover on this show? So the big news being that you went to EVD, I thought it was really cool, but I was a little thrown off a little bit by your tone. You almost got like a, like a calmer tone. You'd think you'd be like peppy with excitement, but you're really kind of like got a big sponsor and uh, we're going to EVD. And I was like, that doesn't sound as exciting, but, well, I'd asked you about that before. Was there, were you, was it weighing on you some that you were going to be doing two shows or something? Um, I mean, with WEVD, the excitement, of course, uh, is there. I may, I may have not been in as, as exuberant as one would imagine I would be, especially that we we're going back to a 50,000 watt station that could be heard throughout the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the return of WEVD become, you know, it, it also has, the uh, fact that all right we're gonna have to ramp it up again you know you have the commute into manhattan every week is 11 o'clock on a saturday night so there's there's advantages and disadvantages but i was i was thrilled to be back there because i knew what that would mean for anything else i wanted to do in the wrestling business i mean being on wevd 10 50 a.m 
was uh, was amazing. And I worked to try to get back on that station after losing the slot because I couldn't pay for it. And then, you you know, you also in the back of your mind, it's like, OK, we got this big sponsor, but, you know, sponsorships uh, come and go as well. So uh, it was kind of like exciting, yet a little scary going back. And NYG always felt like home a little bit, even though they were mm. small and yeah. shitty and, and no production <laughs> values and, you know, can only be heard in a small radius. Uh, and in the nighttime, you couldn't hear it, you know, from the 7-Eleven that was a block away. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it had definitely had its advantages and disadvantages, but I was I was happy and I and I and I wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to continue doing good broadcasting. Yeah. And you wanted to bring the team along and, and invite the team along. And uh, that's yeah. uh, that's our next clip. So we'll take a listen to that right now. Anyway, uh, Donnie, I'm sure that I'm going to ask you officially here if you'd like to continue on, like at uh, oh, do course. our capital on EBD. Don't even finish the sentence, of course. You, you know, I'm excited as all heck uh, for next week and uh, again, giving the people what they want. Um, you know, it's always great to have alternatives, and that's good for competition. Yes. Well, we'll talk to you next week, uh, right, not only John, on this station, but on WBD as well. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, Don Leibel. And I want to talk to everybody out there for a second. Um, I know there's a lot of you out there that uh, uh, the underground pipeline, so to speak, uh, spread the word about us going back on EVD, especially those folks who, who can't pick up this radio station. Uh, there are folks out there that are on CompuServe and on Prodigy Computer Services, and uh, uh, there is an, a, a, a huge network of wrestling fans that log on to these computer services every day for wrestling news. Uh, spread the word. Put it on the computer services. Uh, call your buddies up. Call your friends up and uh, spread the word that we're returning and uh, we'll be able to be reached in eight states uh, beginning next Saturday night at 11 p.m. on 1050 WVD. Uh, our producer, Bruce Jacobs, uh, will be joining us there as well. And uh, we will be bringing on a number of uh, exciting guests. Now, we anticipate some big stories breaking in the next week or so. And next Saturday night, we're going to have a real special show to really kick it off and i can't even talk about it yet but we got some some big things in mind for you look at that some donnie wholesome Good donnie old, yeah yeah well donnie donnie is as i say all the time one of a kind you know longest friendship that i've had uh probably yeah i would say the longest deep friendship i've had 50 years 50 years did he do both shows Yes. Yes. Was it the same capsule on both shows, or would he change it up? Uh, well, I think it, it was tailored a little bit. I haven't gotten that far into it. All I know is I, I uploaded the uh, the first uh, uh, Pro Wrestling This Week, February uh, was it, 20th. That's a Kerry episode. And uh, we have a lot of back-and-forth conversation. I haven't uploaded the other one yet because I haven't heard it in 30 years. So yep. I'll do that tomorrow. So I don't know if it's identical. So that's why, you know, basically what we'll do, and we're talking production here uh, in real time, is that uh, I will, you know, tape both shows, and then we maybe we pull a few clips from the morning show and then the rest from the evening show, and both shows will be on Patreon for everybody to hear in their entirety. So it's going to be interesting because now we're going to have two shows to kind of review and uh, and uh, sometimes there was some different content on the morning and the evening. So we'll have to play it by ear each and every week. But it's kind of 
interesting to hear me say uh, we're going to be bringing on a lot of special guests. And now I feel like it's deja vu all over again because this is what we're doing on this show now. It's like we're bringing on some pretty interesting guests, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's spontaneous like tonight and others it's planned. And uh, that's uh, I guess that makes for compelling and entertaining uh, podcasting, not radio, but podcasting. It's the evolution of the radio. Do you remember making uh, cognitive decisions about what was going to be on your morning versus your night? Or do you think that you just kind of had all your material and went through? No, I think it was just more of the the bigger guests would be on the nighttime show okay. because it's such a bigger reach. Sometimes you had mm. duplication. Like I, I, I know from the pro wrestling this week that I uh, uploaded today, Cactus Jack is on it. Um, and he also joins in the evening show because hmm. uh, Cactus in the day, because it was his son, Dewey, a uh, Cactus Dewey is what I called him. Uh, yeah. It was the kid's one year birthday. Hmm. And Cactus at the time, Mick was living in West Babylon at a place that I helped him uh, get, introducing him to the folks. And that's where Dewey was born in West Babylon, Long Island. And now Dewey is um, one of the top writers for WWE. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, I think he recently left WWE. He did? I didn't even know that. He did. Yeah. Um, right around the 2.0 shift. It was when How Dewey long ago left. was that? 2.0. What do you mean? NXT 2.0? Because he was a writer oh, for okay, NXT. Okay. Yeah, I don't watch NXT. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he left recently. But he made a comment on his uh, Twitter recently, too, that this year he was going to have some pretty big stuff. So... Yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye out. I think he's cool. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I spent uh, several years over there in the WWE headquarters, and now that he's gone, that's interesting. That's that's news to me. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I realize here I have a clip from right before you asked Donnie, though, as you are talking about EVD, mm -hmm. as you get into it, you actually talk about Paul Heyman, Paul Dangerously, and you uh, you tell your story of when you guys met which I thought was really cool because it was 30 years ago. Oh, it's really fresh yeah. on your mind. I want to play this. It was let's really hear cool. It. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Donnie. Uh, man, I tell you, lots of stuff happening. And, uh, you know, I was I spent some time yesterday with Paul Lee. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell you, the case that he's got against WCW, you know, I don't know uh, if it was just a personal thing with Watts and him. I don't know if his situation can be resolved with WCW, but uh, some of the things that uh, we discussed yesterday, mm -hmm. this man's got some case. In my opinion, he's got some case. Well, you know, John, many times uh, people that uh, are quick to say, take me to court, uh, when it comes time to uh, go into the courtroom, they start huddling and uh, come up with a, a, a solution to it. Uh, and I think all along, I think that's what what's going to happen with Paul Lee when a time comes with his uh, um, seemingly ironclad case that uh, they're going to WCW will end up having to do what they should have done in the beginning if they didn't want him there you know, honor the contract and, and pay him up or, or treat him as, as a respected employee. You know, I respect Paulie a great deal, you know, because he's a guy, he's a young man. He's only 27 years old. He's been in this business for 13, 14 years already. I first met Paulie Dangerously at Madison Square Garden. Uh, a kid taking pictures in the back. Uh, I first corresponded with Paulie Dangerously. It was 1975. 
I got a letter from a youngster by the name of Paul Heyman. At the time, I was just finishing up or getting ready to disband the Fred Blassie fan club. And I got a letter from Paul Lee, who wanted to take the club over. And then he had formed uh, fan clubs for Albano, for the Grand Wizard, for Blassie. I met Paul, I guess, for the first time in 1982. I had been a few years out of the wrestling business, and I, at that time, had some friends uh, in the WWF and was invited there and was backstage. And uh, it might have been 82, may have been, yeah, I think it was 82. It was right after the angle with uh, Lawler and, and Andy Kaufman. Because uh, Kaufman was uh, there at the garden in a neck brace, and I introduced myself to Andy. Andy and I had went to the same college up in Boston, Graham Junior College, and re uh, introduced myself to him. And uh, Paul Heyman was there with a camera, and he hmm. came up to me and says, You're John Arizzi, you're John Arizzi. And I said, Yeah, yeah, you know. And he took a picture of me and Andy Kaufman. And uh, that was the last day I had heard of Paulie Dan Paulie ha Paul Heyman. And I didn't even have the connection that Paulie Dangerously was Paul Heyman until I was I'd started on this radio station in April of 89. And uh, my first show I was covering, getting back into the wrestling business, was a NWA show in Connecticut. And I uh, got my press credentials and went in the back, and there's this Paulie, this Paulie Dangerously, who I've seen and watched on television. And uh, I, I introduced myself to him. Hi, uh, you know, Paulie Dangerously, I'm John Arez. He goes, I know who you are. I said, we've met before? He goes, yeah, I'm Paul Heyman. Don't you remember me? I took a picture of you and Andy Kaufman. I said, same guy, holy smokes. And he goes, boy, did you get fat. <laughs> so it was like his personality, bing, right, right off the top. But I respected Paul a great deal because Paul is a fighter. Uh, Paulie has, you know, it's the third time he's been fired from WCW. And the first two times he came back because in the situations he was correct. Uh, so he is a very smart individual. I think he's going to be one of the real uh, players in the wrestling business in the years to come. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Paulie hooked up with an organization as far as in the creative end of it and the booking end of it and makes an organization take off. That's how much belief I got in this guy and his future in the business. He just has some wonderful, wonderful ideas. Wow. A little on the nose on that one, John. <laughs> what are you what what are you referring to? That I kind of knew he was gonna be kind of wanting to start a promotion or, or yeah, I mean he signed on with Eastern Championship Wrestling and took all of his creative ideas and launched that thing into what every people still talk about enchant. Yeah. Think of, of course. Him. Yeah, yeah, he did. He used to call me with, you know, what do you think of this angle? He had the, the you know, that he did, I believe, with Savoldi's WCCW, whatever it was called. Mm. There was a character called the Wrestling School Dropout <laughs> uh, that he would talk to me for hours about. And he later uh, kind of based the Mikey Whipwreck character on this Wrestling oh. School Dropout. It was a guy that could never win. He was just kind of this guy that's going to lose all the time and all of a sudden he gets a surprise win and then he gets momentum and then he, he... so Paul used to go over these ideas with me and it was really fascinating because I booked him on that uh, on that tour of Southeast Asia in 93 and that's where he you know saw Ted Petty and uh, and Mike Dorham and was like you guys would 
be kind of cool together, you know, and, and that became public enemy. And uh, of course, then the uh, Lucha connection was made. And, and so, I mean, yeah, Paul was, uh, I think on a stealth mission <laughs> when we went overseas and, uh, you know, I brought him there for the, three almost three week tour that we were doing and after the first week he's like i'm gonna go home <laughs> yeah <laughs> he did what he needed to do he got people's yeah, numbers yeah he, he 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 did what he had to do and it was kind of conflicting back then because jake wanted the book jake wanted to be the booker of the tour and i mm. wasn't a booker i wasn't a storyline guy and paul also was like so it was kind of jake and Paul E trying to put together this stuff and uh and, and it was really interesting to see the dynamic and Jake Roberts. Like, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of those two. And, but it was like, you know, I want to do this, but Paul wants to do that. I'm like, listen, whatever you do, just work, <laughs> just work it out. I got enough going on here right now on this tour. You know, I got the warlord like every 10 minutes. What are we going to eat? When am I going to the gym? And, and, you know, you got Jake and you got, you got a, you got a, you got a crew of, individuals medusa greg valentine ddp and and, and conan uh bob that sabu? atanaka no sabu did not go on the tour he wasn't on the- I, I wanted to get him and i wanted to terry funk and i wanted mick foley uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the three and, and terry you know was good right up until a few weeks before and that's also you know where my headliner was supposed to be ultimate warrior against jake and that's mm. when I had the big blow up with Warrior about uh, him holding me up for money. But yeah, those are stories that we'll talk about down the road. But it was it was a fascinating year, man. Ninety three was pretty interesting. And this was cool too because nowadays we know Paulie dangerously. We know Paul Heyman. Like we equate yeah. the two together so closely. But yeah. thirty years ago, no one was going between Paul Heyman and Paul Dangerously the way you just did in that clip. No. You said Heyman oh. like four times, and I was all like, damn. Like... Yeah, really inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the time. For the time. For the time. Yeah. And now and no one especially... even, no, no one, if you mention Paulie Dangerously to anybody who watches WWE, they're going to say, who is Paulie Dangerously? You yeah. Know, most fans won't know who he is. They won't, or they'll but... say, oh, Paul Heyman? Like they will go back to the Paul Heyman because yeah. this was months yeah. before he launches ECW yeah. and then creates the Paul Heyman on screen. Yeah. So well, I don't know. I thought that was cool. It's a it's a really interesting look back at history. It really is. And to just to hear all of this evolve and we have so much more to go on this uh this incredible journey of Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Yeah. I love that you shouted out CompuServe earlier too. Oh man. <laughs> Prodigy, CompuServe, AOL mm-hmm. back then. The AOL was the big thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the way you kept referring to it is computer services. There's a lot of computer services. Anyone who needs, yeah. who's got access through computer services. I had, I, was like, I had no clue, man. That's no great. Clue. Just like today, what uh, was the chat? I what's that new thing that uh, chat IGT or whatever that new in, uh, artificial intelligence uh, program that's going to take over the world? Chat oh, IGT no. or something. Oh, no, I'm gonna have to look into this. But that to see, my problem is, is I'm going to research it and I'm going to think it's looking back at me. Yeah, so basically, but it's it's like it's like Google uh, Google on steroids. So you let's say if I, I you know because I just I've been hearing about it everywhere because it's writing term papers for kids. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's the 
that's the, and I just put my name in it and it, and it, you know, said John Arezzi is a prominent radio show host. And he did this whole kind of history on me. Uh, and he passed away in 1991 or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, ah. I'm a ghost. Who the fuck knows? Well, in 91, did you drop a resi and go back to Alexander? Maybe that's what no, you no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It could have been 97. It freaked me out when I read it. Yeah. I just bit my name in it and, and, and it came up with all this stuff. And, and, uh, so yeah, <laughs> like, from back then as CompuServe and now we're in a whole new realm of things. It's like, wow. I heard something, uh, on Howard Stern yesterday and it was like uh, someone fed information about Seinfeld and asked this chat thing to do a script of Seinfeld, the Seinfeld show. And oh, it yeah. spit out a whole show. Like yeah. we're in a we're we're in a crazy place, technology yep. wise. I'm happy to go back thirty years and relive times that were much more simpler. This Man, I, I am uh, freaking out over technology today. <laughs> uh, so let's go back in time a little bit when things were a little simpler, and you were just reading news on the air. What I liked about this segment because you kind of say hey all that news that donnie was talking about is coming from these sources and this is when you really kind of start aggregating in this clip the way that the newsletters do now like Mm -hmm. they're constantly being like this article said this this article said that and here you are kind of reading through it and it felt to me like the groundwork for what would become wrestling newsletters you know what i mean yeah yeah of today of today and in this one too remarkably you have two different callers who have uh wrestling newsletters you let them put over on there too and i thought that was really cool the amount of newsletters i, I always let people running. plug their stuff uh, always to this day i do i mean it's like you know you pay it forward you give them a plug if they get a couple of subscribers wonderful you know yeah exactly and they'll never forget it right so let's take a listen to your aggregated info uh, lots of mainstream publicity on pro wrestling this week. We're going to start it off by reading some of the articles, if you hadn't had an opportunity to read them already, or if you hadn't had a chance to see them in a the paper. Uh, Monday's New York Post, uh, columnist Phil Muchnick, who has, of course, been following uh, pro wrestling very, very closely over the last couple of years, uh, what's been going on outside of the ring, had this uh, in the Post. I'm going to read it just verbatim. Uh, Jim Helwig, recent-day WWF superstar who performed as the six-foot-three, 300-pound Ultimate Warrior, is about to file a multi-million-dollar lawsuit versus Vince McMahon and the scandal-soaked WWF. According to sources of the up-close and personal kind, Helwig, we're told, will claim breach of contract and other nastier things with the help of Manhattan lawyer Michael Kennedy. Kennedy's client list includes Ivana Trump and Gene Harris. Both Helwig, who lives in Arizona, and Kennedy declined comment. The suit is expected to be filed before the end of the month. Meanwhile, a federal probe into the WWF apparently has intensified. At least one New York-based investigator was in the Deep South last week to interview ex-WWF headliners. Feds don't spend airfare on witch hunts. Word is that the initial focus of the probe, the WWF's systematic involvement with steroids, has grown to include tax evasion, violation of child labor laws, pedophilia, the exchange of sex for employment, and illegal use and distribution beyond steroids. That was Phil Muchnick's column in the Post on Monday, February 8th. Then in the New York Daily News, uh, this came out on Wednesday. Richard Johnson, who is a gossip columnist for the Daily News, had this in the paper. 
and this is also verbatim. People are always eager to believe the worst about professional wrestling, that all the wrestlers are on steroids and being abused by domineering homosexuals who control the sport. But Vince McMahon, the head of the World Wrestling Federation, is finally ready to fight back. He plans to sue some of the griping grapplers and the media figures who publish their sordid tales. On the top of McMahon's list is Nails, six foot seven, three hundred pound wrestler whose real name is Kevin Kelly. Nails reported to police in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in December that McMahon, who was seven inches shorter and a hundred pounds lighter, sexually assaulted him in a locker room. Wrestling manager Jimmy Hart and a referee were both in the locker room and said it was Nails who attacked McMahon. They said the argument was over money and that Nails threw McMahon across the room. Most of the news media gave no credence to Nails' tale. The Green Bay District Attorney declined to prosecute. What we're dealing with is a professional shakedown artist, a friend of McMahon said. We're going on the offensive. Unlike the action in the ring, this fight is for real. So that was in the Daily News. Then, this past Friday in the Daily News, TV sports columnist Bob Raceman covered the Pauly Dangerously situation, and this is what his piece read. Living Dangerously, Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling Suits will be served with court papers next week by lawyers for Paul Heyman, a.k.a. Pauly Dangerously. Dangerously, a Scarsdale native and one of the more entertaining managers in wrestling, is charging WCW with wrongful termination, professional disparagement, and ethnic discrimination. The action stems from what Dangerously called a vendetta against him conducted by recently axed WCW boss Bill Watts. WCW fired Dangerously, alleging he had falsified hotel expense reports. Dangerously claims Watts didn't want to honor his contract, a two-year deal worth an excess of $200,000 per, and went after him when he refused to negotiate down. I was shafted for the simple fact Bill Watts wanted to cut costs, Dangerously said. Watts' message was clear, conform to his ways or he'll break you. And he broke me. Watts could not be reached for comment. And Watts was terminated from WCW this past Wednesday. Also, the Slammer in the Daily News on the same day on Friday, the Slammer's back in the Daily News with his column. Uh, he also talked about the Paulie Dangerously situation and the Watts firing. So lots of mainstream press on pro wrestling this week. All of it centering around action outside of the ring, not inside the ring. That's fascinating stuff, isn't it? I think it's pretty cool because you found so many news articles, too. The way you guys also keep bringing up all of it centers on action outside of the ring, that insinuates to me that typically prior to the years like this, a lot of in-ring stuff was covered, if anything was covered at all. Was that the case of it growing up? Yeah, there was never anything. There was never any stories about what was going on outside the ring. Never. You were lucky to get the results in the daily news and maybe once in a while the New York Post would put a couple pictures in. But there was never any any coverage of behind the scenes stuff ever. Yeah. It was all on camera. I remember the, um, it all started really, you know, when, uh, you know, when the scandals hit. That's when that's when mainstream and that's when mainstream media kind of took paid attention. And then the sex scandals, and then it was off to the races. Then it was like, 
everyone and everything. And, you know, and now look, and now every damn, uh, you know, Sports Illustrated, every major website has a wrestling beat reporter. True. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's true. Yeah. I thought that was neat. Pretty cool. You did get into the callers. Yep. And your first caller had a couple of questions that led me to have questions as well. Okay. So I thought we would play it and you could help fill me in a little bit. You got it. Why don't we go to the phones right now? We'll go to Brian from Long Beach. He'll be our first caller for today. Hi, Brian. You're on the air. Hi. How you doing? Um, first I wonder how did Jay Youngblood die? Jay Youngblood died back, uh, you know, I, I knew Jay uh, when I was living down in the Carolinas. Uh, from what I understand, it was a heart attack, and uh, there was a lot of speculation about drug abuse involved. And um, is it true that Jim Crockett's going to start his own promotion? Yes, it is. Uh, Crockett's uh, no-compete clause with WCW expires this year, and uh, from all indications, he's going to start up in the Charlotte, North Carolina area in November or December. Okay, thanks. Thanks for your call, Brian. Well, you know who that was, right? Who do you want me to I tell did, you? I didn't know prior to you right before you went on, and I was like, um, I was listing off the names of all the callers, and you went, wait a second. Who's that caller? Brian, Brian Last. Brian Last, who started uh, calling the show on a regular basis, and uh, I do remember he was always kind of first on the phone uh, during yeah. this time period. But yeah, that was Brian Last, everybody. Uh, a young, young Brian Last. I guess uh, that was also the era when uh, the time period when he was having his bar mitzvah and booked Vince Russo to be there. <laughs> very, very good. I hope he booked it. He, uh, yeah, it was him. And I, I think he brought uh, the Matt Rat Russo sidekick uh, from his Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling show and Skull Von Kruss. And they were huh. all at Brian's Bar Mitzvah. Yeah. Yeah. Did he listen to both your guys' show? He didn't pick sides? Oh, absolutely. He was a fan of Russo. I think he was probably, he might have been at the time more of a fan of Russo than he was of mine because he was that, probably more WWF guy. That would make sense too, given just kind of how short he was with you. He was right to the point. How did this guy die? Is this true? Okay, thanks. Bye. Right. You know what I mean? Where some people linger for a minute. Uh, who was Jay Youngblood? I don't remember you guys covering his death. Uh, well, Jay died uh, before I was even on the air. I mean, I got to meet Jay in the Carolinas. Uh, it was 1983, 84. I'd been living down there managing uh, Patty Loveless and, uh, I used to um, I used to cover a couple of shows for Napolitano freelance stuff, uh, uh, you know, some of the bigger shows in Charlotte. But Jay, I ran into Jay at a uh, a club, and uh, we just kind of I knew who he was from watching him on TV, and I said hello, and we developed a friendship. So we hung out a few times at some clubs in the area during that time period. Yeah, so I got to know him, and he was a great guy. And uh, he was uh, tag team champions with uh, Ricky Steamboat um, back then. And he was a very charismatic and a really good uh, wrestler. And, uh, and unfortunately, he, we lost him way too soon back then. Do you, was, do you know when he died? Uh, I, I don't know specifically off the top of my head unless, you, you know, we go on the Internet right now and not that new chat age, whatever the frick it is, uh, but just <laughs> a regular, regular Internet. 
Because they could probably give you his autopsy. Oh, died in 85? 85, yeah. That was yeah, that was right after I knew him. I mean, I uh, my time period with Jay was uh, 83, 84. Huh. I wonder what spurred him to call and ask about that. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of interesting that in 93 a, a young blind Brian Lasser like I'm going to go ask John how young blood passed away. Yeah. 10 years ago. Don't just know. neat. I, I would uh, really love to, I'd love to ask Brian about it but you know, I don't think he'd return my call. <laughs> Yeah. And I listen uh, to him every week still. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I keep up. Uh Crockett opening a new promotion. I feel dumb here. Did he open another promotion? Uh he was actually in cahoots with Paul E. Uh they were gonna call it was called Global Wrestling. It was GCW oh. something. And and Paul GWF? E was supposed to be the booker. GW could be GWF. Um like I said, it's 30 years ago. But Paul E and Crockett were gonna do this thing together, and Paul E was gonna be the creative end of it. Yeah. And then whatever ha- whatever didn't happen, well, there was financing, whether they had a falling out. I don't know. Only okay. Paul could answer that. And then lo and behold, he hooks up with uh, Todd Gordon yeah. uh, uh, for Eastern Championship Wrestling around the time Eddie Gilbert was self-imploding. And Paulie and Eddie were dear, dear friends. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you know, Eddie is out and Paul is running it, running the mm. booking. So potentially that's what happened with actually, actually it's global force wrestling GFW. It's what I'm thinking of. And I, that, mm-hmm. I think that ended up being Bruce for a little while. I think Jared had a hand in there for one. Oh, long moment. time ago, man. I had too, yeah. many, too many other things going on. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that was cool. I pulled it cause I was like, Oh, I have questions on this one. And then you're like, you're going to have an extra question or two. So yeah, Brian last. And yeah. I know that he's the first caller on next week's show, at least on the WNYG show. Yeah. Do you, I wonder, I guess we'll find out as we go. I wonder if he called in on both shows, depending on or if you just pick a day or night. We'll find out. Yeah. More to come. More to come. Uh, caller, we got Bob from Point Pleasant, which I thought was an interesting thing because uh, you make mention right after the call, uh, you have a little fun with uh, a breakup, which was notable because you had the couple on your show not that long ago. Hmm. Okay. So do you Bob, are you playing that? Pleasant, you? Bob, you're next. How you doing, John? Good. Congratulations on your new station. On your station. Well, thank you very much. Um, how do you think Rick Flair will be running uh, things at WCW? Well, when Flair was the booker there in '89, okay, '90 that area, uh, the shows were pretty exciting. I think Rick Flair is a very smart businessman, and I think he has some great ideas and. Uh, uh, if he is actually able to run that company, and I think that's got to be one of the reasons before he accept, accepted his deal uh, to participate in the booking, I think you're going to see some exciting wrestling action. All right. And uh, do you think there's any chance uh, of the Four Horsemen coming back in the near future? Uh, I don't think so. I think that Flair is going to feud with Barry Windham when he gets back in. And where Arn Anderson's uh, role is, that remains to be seen. But I don't think there'll be a re- Maybe there will be. Who knows? You know, that was a, a, certainly a mainstay in the NWA, and I'm sure the fans who watch that program would love to see it come back. All right, uh, one more question. Uh, it's about Steve Austin. I heard they're going to try to make him, like, the next Nature Boy. Yeah, well, the to- I don't know about the next Nature Boy. I don't think Flair is going to allow anybody to be called Nature Boy. Uh, but uh, uh, Austin is now teaming up with Flying Brian. They're going to be called the Hollywood Blondes, and they're going to be managed by Missy Hyatt. 
Okay. And speaking of Missy, she's making some news outside the ring as well. Her and Jason Hervey, the celebrated romance. Well, it's over. Poor Missy. She's back in the Atlanta area, and uh, Jason is uh, putting together a uh, kids' TV show, uh, I believe for the Fox Network. And uh, I understand Eric Bischoff, uh, who we spoke to last week on this program, uh, that's why he was out in California, because I believe he was auditioning for the part as host of that children's television program, which is uh, cast by Jason Hervey's mom, who's did a big you, casting director out in California. Did you know that Missy Hyatt was in love with me? She just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, of course. She's in love with everybody. Only kidding, Missy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I liked so much about that clip. <laughs> I love it. It was great. I mean, there's a lot there, too. I mean, obviously, yeah. Eric uh, was the... Uh, uh, that was kind of the force behind it. Him and J- Jason with that kids show, and maybe he was going to be a host. And yeah, that is uh, that's pretty fascinating stuff. And I think, uh, and even Steve Austin, you know, what was about to happen yep. with him with Brian Pillman, which was one of the best tag teams I've ever seen. Hollywood Blondes. I wonder if your uh, report that Eric was out there auditioning to host was an assumption, because what does Eric do? You know what I mean? He yeah. was a host. Yeah. He was an on air. We find out was it last week he mentioned he had sold that program to oh, yeah. that channel. He probably was there as the owner of the show. Not oh, absolutely. Him and Jason became partners. Yeah, and they produced a lot of different programming. And and as Eric attested to, I mean, uh, the fact that he showed uh, Bill Shaw in storyboards and the whole thing on what would you? Yeah, that kind of got him. Yeah. Uh, could have got him the gig in in uh, WCW's executive TV producer. Yeah. It's really interesting to listen to all this stuff back uh, now and yeah. kind of put these puzzles together. Yeah, and poor Missy, yeah. she was hoping to be a Hollywood star, but that didn't work out. No, she she, she didn't get on. She didn't get on as a host of that show. She yeah. should have been out there auditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was kind of always funny with Missy and Jason Hervey. I mean, I just could never picture the two because he looked like a little boy and she had, yeah. you know, she was, a, you know, pretty, as they said in the old days, buxom uh, mm-hmm. figure and this, you know, beautiful blonde. And, and it just it just never it just never gelled with me, you know, the, their relationship for whatever reason. Every picture I've ever seen of them together, I go, this is so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because he yeah. was a wrestling fan, was at ringside, meets her. They get a relationship. I, I do some business with them uh, in New York. And that was a that was a trippy weekend, Take, just driving them around and picking them up from the airport and doing the scores remote and the personal appearances and listening to them interact with each other in the car. And it was just kind of like it was like this. It was like a junior high school romance. Yeah, and then and then them coming on my show, and they were talking about Eddie Gilbert's anatomy. I mean, it was like, it was it was so juvenile. <laughs> and now she's you know now she's alone again back then, and but uh, Missy's an interesting person for sure. Yeah. Was that Bruce in the background who said that she loved? Yes, him? that yeah. was Bruce. Yeah, I wonder if they ever met up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought that was great. That clip on the end, I was like, you know what? We have a little more insight on a Bischoff now. I know what he was doing out there, and it was not that, which is kind of cool. Exactly. It's kind of neat finding out 30 years later how much Eric played close to his chest. Yeah, very true. You know, 
He was good at what he did. It still is. Yeah. Uh, this next clip, we go into a caller, but on the way into the caller, you start talking about your uh, some changes that will be made already for EVD, and I thought uh, that that was going to be something I'd want to ask you about on the other side. Okay. And uh, we will re be returning when we go to EVD, back on EVD next week. Uh, that show will be called Pro Wrestling Spotlight, as that's the name I originated. Uh, and we'll be using that name on the EVD show, and this show will remain Pro Wrestling this week. Now, I haven't uh, decided yet if uh, there will be any change of format on this particular show. Uh, what we may do with this program beginning next week is maybe play some, uh, uh, take some calls, play some highlights of uh, even some of the best of. So we may do, we may mix it up a little bit. May mix it up a little bit. I haven't decided yet. Uh, Chris from Holtzville will be next right here at the program. Chris, you are on the air. Yeah, how you doing, John? Okay. Uh, is there any chance that WCW signs Sid Vicious or the Warrior in the next couple months? You think? Don't really know. I know. Uh, We'll know more about the Warrior situation once his lawsuit is filed with the WWF as far as if he's even able to, to wrestle. He's try, You know, obviously his market value is not there if he can't call himself either the Warrior or the Ultimate Warrior. Right. Uh, and I don't know if WCW wants to uh, uh, throw the dollars around that the Warrior is asking. Right. Uh, as far as the other person you mentioned with Sid, uh, Sid Vicious, as he will be called again, uh, they have talked to him, and there was even talk about Sid joining the booking committee of WCW. Uh, talking to Sid, I spoke to him the week before last, and he had gotten a release from the WWF, signed it, sent it back, and from what he said, they never sent him back a signed copy, so he's still in limbo. He may not be be able to do anything till the end of May. Right. And Could, because with, you know, getting Davey Boy Smith and Ric Flair back, if they got the, uh, either of those guys, I think, you know, that they'd be headed in the right direction again. Yeah, and uh, they have set another tentative date here in New York City for the Paramount, uh, April 23rd. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, so uh, a, lot of, a lot of things happening in WCW, and hopefully uh, they can make a splash in this market. All right, John. Thanks for your call, Chris. Take care. I love how the New York callers sound. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. No Joey, but yeah. Yeah. They got they all have that Joey. same like rough raspy yeah. voices and <laughs> they're probably hey John, 12. What, are you, what do you do? What do you know about this? Do you know something about this you could tell me about? It's funny. When I lived in New York, that was always my favorite thing. Running into little kids who would have that thick New York accent. I was like, look at this little tough guy. Yeah. 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 That's true. Sid is possible booking committee. I don't know if I've ever heard that he's had the mind historically. No one's ever said, you know what, he doesn't get credit for, you know? And the, the only thing I could think of is like they wanted him back so badly that they maybe threw him a carrot. Yeah. But that whole that whole booking committee situation was still uh, tumultuous. And even Flair going back there and the fact that Ole Anderson, they, at first he had a non-compete, so he couldn't go right back on TV anyway. Mm. And uh, Ole, who was, uh, uh, you know, given more power with Dusty, there was always a uh, Ole never liked Flair. Mm. I mean, just said that, you know, he does the same thing. He wants to have a 60 minute match every night and he does the same thing. Um, so, yeah, there's so there. So Flair was walking back into a situation where it was uh, tumultuous, to say the least, him going back there, which was unbeknownst to all of us until you know this stuff came out later on years mm -hmm. later i just also love that one of my favorite through storylines of the pro wrestling spotlight as a radio show mm. is you can guarantee someone is going to call and ask about sid or the warrior 
yeah. or both. They were huge. Or it's years crazy. ago. Oh, years ago, the Black Scorpion. Oh yeah, did you hear about that a lot on there too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was always there was always something they were zoning in on, and who's in the egg was another one, the big big topic. <laughs> how close did you get on the egg before it happened? Uh, how close did I get as far as as far as figuring many... it out? Did never knew until they opened it up. <laughs> it was fucking. Okay. It was it was a gobbledygooker, man. <laughs> <laughs> So I liked it in this one, too, because I always think about storytelling. And it seems like this one had a bit of a story that was a through line, which was all this warrior stuff. You mm-hmm. cover three or four times about this lawsuit. This caller yeah. calls in. Where's Sid? Is WCW going to bring in Warrior? And then right. after that, you get this next caller. And I just loved the way that you handled it because it okay. was just like. <laughs> I was getting frustrated. Yep. Uh, we'll go to North Babylon and talk to Glenn. Glenn, you are next. Uh-huh. Glenn, are you, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Okay, what can we do for you? Hi, I'd like to know about the Ultimate Warrior and where he is and what he's doing. Well, he lives in Arizona right now. He appeared at the uh, Wrestling Legends convention a few weeks back. He has wrestled one independent show, to our knowledge, up in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, he's getting ready to file his major lawsuit with Vince McMahon uh, sometime this month. He's not gonna, So he's, he's not going to go back to the WWF? Well, at least not to my knowledge. I don't think once he files his lawsuit, uh, they'll be on very good speaking terms. Uh, what was the lawsuit about? Like, what happened? Uh, well, he's got a lawyer that would be filing suit. I know one of the the, uh, the charges is wrongful termination of employment. Uh, that was reported in the New York Post this past Monday. Uh, but there'll be other things uh, disclosed in this particular lawsuit, which I guess we'll have to wait till it's filed. Oh, all right. Okay, thanks for your call, Glenn. Thanks. Yeah. So... So he's not going back to WWF then. <laughs> I don't think so. Glenn. I love the not to my knowledge. <laughs> he's filing a lawsuit. I think probably not, but never say never. Mm-hmm. Safe bet. Uh, yeah, I just got such a kick out of it. Uh, something else on the other side. Mickey B, you yeah. at a certain point have time to kill. Because you've yeah. ran all your ads, and I yep. think even on the intro, you I think I kept it in here where you go, what am I supposed to do, just talk? And uh, <laughs> So you bring Mickey B on, uh, and he's on for a couple of minutes, and he gets to tell his story of introducing Cindy and Captain uh-huh. Lou, which is cool, because we've only, at this point only heard you recount what you've heard. This is him telling his version of it, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Another 15 minutes to go. We have no more breaks, I would guess, right? No more. So I just keep talking, I guess. That's what we should do. 661-1440 is the number to call. And, of course, 11 o'clock today, the Prince of Rock and Roll will be joining us. And, Mickey, why don't you come on and say uh, who was on. You know, you were a real prince. You are really a – you are the Prince of Rock and Roll. And, uh, Mickey, as uh, some of you may know by listening to this program over the, the last several months since we returned to the airwaves here, uh, Mickey is actually the guy who hooked up. Cindy Lauper and 
Captain Lou Albano on a plane in Puerto Rico. I think they heard that uh, one show, John, maybe oh, yeah, listeners, you know. It was a funny story because I was on a plane coming back from Puerto Rico about 10 years ago, you know. My wife was facing the, I was facing the back of the plane, my wife was facing the front, and in walks this gentleman with rubber bands in his beard and hanging from his ears and all cuts on his head and he's bleeding and my wife says, whatever you do, don't start up with this guy, Mickey. And I turned around and I said, Captain Lou, how you doing, baby? And we sat down, we started to talk, you know. And with this, about 15 minutes later, a group came on. Four guys and a nice blonde lady. And I walked over. They looked like a singing group. But, of course, I was singing at that time with Paul Simon. You know, we did uh, seven records together as Tico and the Triumphs. And I um, went over to the girl and I said to her, what is the, uh, you look like a vocal group. She said, uh, we are. We're called the Blue Angels. I said, what is your name? She said, my name is Cindy Lauper. But, of course, nobody knew who Cindy Lauper was at the time. Right, right. So I said, Cindy, come over. I want you to meet one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Mr. Captain Lou Albano. And we were sitting there, we were talking. And before you know it, maybe a year later, all of a sudden she's uh, uh, managing him in this thing that, we, that they set up called WrestleMania, you know? Pretty big stuff. Which actually started. And then, of course, the girls want to have fun video. And, of course, the captain was down here the other day. We were going back with some fond memories. I think he's a fabulous, fabulous... Uh, uh, wrestler. Um, and he's still got many good years left in the wrestling oh, business. absolutely. Humanitarian. Yes. I mean, this man is out there helping people. That's a major thing. John. Involved with multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis and a wide variety of other charities as well. So uh, we, we thank the captain. Of course, all your wrestling fans, I mean, have to realize that there are a lot of guys out there that are wrestling today that do a lot for kids and a lot oh, yeah. for charities. And oh, a lot yeah. of people don't even realize they do, you know. So we give a big applaud to the wrestling and also to you, John, with this uh, and the star wrestling. Stars. Absolutely the greatest uh, wrestling show on the air today. Thank you very much. And I was with some folks yesterday uh, with Paulie Dangerously and uh, also f with Stephen DeAngelis, one of our Booster Club members, uh, with the Starlight Foundation. Of course, the Starlight Foundation uh, grants wishes to uh, uh, kids with cancer and such. And uh, a lot of wrestlers get involved in that. They don't get the publicity that uh, you would uh, see in the mainstream because they do it out of the goodness of their hearts most times. Absolutely. Well, John, we uh, welcome you back, you know, of course, over here. And, of course, you've got this next wrestling show going on another radio station. I believe, when is that, on Sunday nights? Then? It's, uh, Saturday nights, 11 p.m. on WVD. So that's a great, great show, and of course all yeah. your listeners can listen to that. And I'll tell you one thing about wrestling, and I grew up with wrestling, you know, of course I go back and I always tell you about those great shows we saw at Sunnyside Gardens with uh, Anthony Rock and Ricky Starr and the Graham Brothers and, and all those guys. But you have a dynamite uh, radio show where you, really uh, you inform the people of what's taking place from the inside, not just from the outside, but to the inside, and what's taking place with the, with the guys. I mean, I listened to about with Andre the Giant the other day. Yeah and all the calls that you get from all your fans. And it's great. I think it's great for the wrestling business to have such a talented man like yourself well, I appreciate on the air all the time. Mickey. And, of course, you're the prince of rock and roll. And, uh... Well, we're all set. We're ready. Rock and roll and wrestling go hand by hand. They all start out, you know, Latin American music in the 50s, wrestling back there in those 50s, and also rock and roll. They was, you know, together. They, they made a certain blend. Intertwined you know? a lot, aren't Intertwined. they? Intertwined. That's yes. right. That's why you get the honky-tonk man, right? Yeah. You get a lot of Spanish wrestlers. And there's right. also Spanish wrestling today. I mean, at... Uh, Lucha Libre out of Mexico. Out of Mexico. So right. there's a big combination of a lot of things that happen so it's great i'm glad, I'm glad that you're on and uh, back with wrestling spotlight man i love it i listen to the show every week thank you mickey you're a true prince of a man and we'll be speaking to you soon uh, don't forget to tune in to mickey b at uh, here's our program director mr jim pierce is joining us here today as well and jim uh, how you doing i can't find a door <laughs> how you get out i can walk around for two days i don't know where the door is <laughs> hey where's the door Thanks. I guess we should go to the phones here, 661-1440. Six, six, Take care, Jim. It's good nice seeing you again. You. Take care. Nice <laughs> Holy smokes.
Jimmy Pierce. Yeah. Jimmy Pierce, who unfortunately we just lost uh, about a year ago. And uh, last time I saw Jimmy Pierce, who was a character. um, My first uh, recollection of Jimmy was in 1982 when I went to NYG for the first time as a sales guy and the sports director. And I got my sister a job there in March of 82. And uh, it was her first day at work. (laughs) And WNYG had a uh, had a, a bathroom with a shower in it. And Jimmy used to spend so much time at the station that he'd sleep there a lot. Mm. Uh, and uh, my sister, her first day at work, you know, well, she's the receptionist to begin her career there. And uh, she hears a noise and, you know, all of a sudden the guy comes out of the bathroom just wearing a towel. <laughs> and it was Jimmy. <laughs> it was Jimmy Pierce. Um, Jimmy was the historian for WNYG. And uh, just a few years ago, um, uh and what he always he had the keys. He was kind of the caretaker there to the building that was vacant. Mm. And uh, I asked him to take me on a tour of the studios. And it's on video. I have the video somewhere. I should really try oh, to yeah. find that and post that because I, I got a tour of the old facility of WNYG. Wow. And, and uh, maybe I'll put that up for patrons this week. That'd be cool to find. I have it. I know it's in my video collection. And Jimmy took me around and he just uh, he was just a wonderful guy and so passionate and dedicated to radio. And uh, and he knew everything about NYG. He was the he was the historian there. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, lost him, I believe, to covid uh, mm-hmm. a, a little over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And Mickey, of course, we lost. Um years back as well and uh, mickey uh, not only did he introduce captain lou albano to cindy lauper uh, but he also introduced me to hoboro paints which was the big sponsor that brought me back to wevd so mickey if it wasn't for him that wouldn't have happened wow yeah because mickey had a big contracting business you know aside from the radio djing and the singing and everything else that he did as an entrepreneur in the music business he ran one of the largest uh uh, uh, contracting companies in in Queens, and also uh, got the uh, the contract. He did all of Donald Trump stuff. Damn. Back then, yeah. So that was that big sponsor you were talking about that got yeah. you back to EVD. Holbro Paints. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Because yeah, it was. Uh, you mentioned it in the beginning of the thing where you just very much like we have a really big sponsor, and you like. Maybe that's yeah. part of what it was with your tone. Maybe part of it wasn't weight, but you're just so grateful of, that Mickey did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be a shock. Um, well, we'll hear more about Hobo yeah. Paints when we debut at DVD next week. <laughs> yeah, we or will. return to DVD. So it explains also why you were laughing so much about uh, Jimmy not being able to find the door. Yeah. Because you just said, well, where's the door? He was acting drunk. Or maybe he was. I don't know. <laughs> it was a it was a place that was like if anyone out there, the older folks who listened to us, and that's probably the majority of the audience. I mean, there was a show called WKRP in Cincinnati, which was a yeah. sitcom, and NYG WKRP had nothing on WNYG, <laughs> nothing. 
That's cool. I used to watch. When, uh, when I did my sports reporting there, I mean, it was such a hellhole. I mean, sometimes and so many, it was just kind of crazy. I mean, uh, people were quitting, people were getting fired, then they'd be brought back. And I never forget, I let off my sports cast one morning with, um, uh, it was like, you know, the Mets win, the Yankees lose. Uh, Sean is fired, which was our program director. Cunningham quits, which was our DJ. Uh, and something about my sister. My sister quits. Cunningham's back in town, and Sean is fired. You know, so it, it was just kind of like this, almost like a like a like a public access college station. Uh, it was just a free for all in that place, and the cast of characters in WNYG uh, are just some of the most unusual folks you'd ever want to be. I mean, it, it makes the wrestling bubble look like the Wizard of Oz. You know, it's so funny. That's cool. I was going to ask you about a week or two ago, uh, but our show has been kind of like um, heavy with with specific yeah. topics. Uh, just because you brought her up a couple times, when you were doing your meet and greet thing, you had made a joke that your sister was going to be at one of the meet and greet signing <laughs> pictures and stuff. Do people give you grief about her a lot, or were they? They like, loved my sister her? because she yeah. was, you know, and still to this day is, is a beautiful girl and she had such a and still does the wonderful the personality and she's uh the real life marissa tomei from my cousin Vinny. i mean oh. she's the real one if anyone saw that movie and marissa tomei that's my yeah. sister that's my sister donna and uh to this day and she's back in radio now she's working yeah. in radio for a big radio group up on long island and uh uh, after many many years being in radio and then she leaves and has my nephew and works at a myriad of different types of jobs she's finally back into radio and she's really enjoying what she's doing there right now in long island that's awesome that's cool yeah we quote my cousin Vinny weekly in this house we grew yeah. up with it like yeah um that's cool that's fun and the people loved her because she was on the bus trips too she'd come on some of the bus trips and and you know with fred the elephant boy and you know ski and all of these characters and you know one we were we were returning and bruce jacobs used to come and, and one bus trip because there was a lot of peculiar individuals on these trips too yeah. i mean it's the wrestling bubble you know i mean it is what it is so we're, we're returning from a bus trip and i think it was jersey or somewhere and she gets on the microphone in the bus. And if you ever saw the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I don't know if you ever mm -hmm. saw that one. That was a, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously a classic movie. Cooper. And they used to, you know, make the announcement, medication time, medication time, and then all the patients would line up. And then she got on the microphone on the bus and she's like, medication time, medication time, wake up everyone, it's medication time. It's all in good fun. But she she'd be frequently at the WGBB and WNYG, and and she was at my conventions helping every year. She ran the merch tables. Uh, my uh, so anyway, I mean, I love my sis, and uh, she's out there on Long Island right now doing her thing. And uh, she was someone that the listeners really loved when they got a chance yeah. to say hello to her. So it was the kind of thing she walks in and people are like, who's that? And you're like, easy, buddy. It's my sister. And then exactly, especially everything. like the wrestlers. I mean, in the 1991 yeah. Weekend of Champions, I mean, Flair and Rick Rude and Buddy Roger. I mean, they were like, oh, this girl is beautiful. This girl is like my sister. And, and they always say, well, what happened to you? You know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because I forget someone else at some point, and one of the wrestlers mentioned something like, "Is your sister going to be there?" And you're just like, "Yes." Like, <laughs> so I didn't know. I thought I'd ask at and some even, point. And even Paulie, she had fun with. I mean, because uh, yeah. Paulie, she 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 faked a call to. She actually worked Paulie. Paul and one of Paulie's early appearances on NYG was like '89, the first year of the show. And uh, Paulie was in the studio, and and uh, you know, it's like. Uh, the girl, this girl calls up and she calls herself Monique and it was my sister. And she was asking Paul if he was married or, you know, he's so yeah. handsome. And, and I do uh, remember that call. I, yeah. And I think that was the night of the WNYG. We had a Halloween party or something and Paulie came to it and, and my sister and uh, was dressed as a cave woman. <laughs> uh, and I got pictures of it still. So anyway, a lot of fun, a lot of good memories, man. That's awesome. Uh, well, before we play the last little clip, because you get kind of upset at a caller and I'm not, I'm having a hard time figuring out why exactly. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you a couple questions about a few things some callers asked about. Dave Meltzer was supposed to be on entertainment tonight, which uh, mm-hmm. it didn't air that week. So it's going to air another week. But what was he being interviewed for entertainment tonight week for? Uh, I was probably covering wrestling on the inside and his role in the scandals, you know, his coverage mm-hmm. basically on like inside of wrestling, or it could have been his, you know, getting his comments on the lawsuits, the ultimate warrior it could have been a myriad of things. Okay. But they used him for stuff like that. That's cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, you had mentioned hearing, we want flair chance on raw being cool. Here's one that I wanted to ask you about. Cause you and Donnie talked about it again, the last couple of weeks where we haven't been able to dig in, but someone asked specifically or has stated specifically that they missed. Uh, and we're sad to hear about Joe McHugh passing away. Did you have any Joe McHugh stories? Cause you and Donnie both just kept going. My name is Joe, Joe McHugh. <laughs> yeah. No, he was just this beloved announcer that, would get a pop sometimes bigger than the wrestlers because he, he was an old guy when he was announcing and uh, yeah. So it was just kind of a beloved individual that brings you back. And even back then in 1993, remembering him from the seventies and his delivery and his ring announcing, he will be remembered forever. Kind of like a Finkel. Kind of coward was more than Joe McHugh. Yeah, but that same kind of like just people just be- like just yeah for the hard, uh, hardcore hardcore WWF fans that watched each and every week back in the seventies, uh, the championship wrestling show taped from Philly and the uh, All Star wrestling show taped from Hamburg, and that's where Joe McHugh did his ring announcing. That's cool. That's cool. Nice. All right, I was just wondering about that because I keep meaning to ask. Um, you mentioned you're going to change your newsletter from weekly to monthly because it's giving you heart problems, which I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that'll solve it. That's the one. I hated the newsletter. It. I didn't want to do the newsletter. I didn't. I, that was a Russo idea. And then, you know, when we split up, then they stopped and I tried to do my own and then money ran out. And, and the fact that I was even thinking about bringing it back was giving me a heart attack. So um, yeah. I don't think I ever put it out. I never put it out again. It never came out. So Didn't we'll have to hear that as future weeks uh, unfold here at this show. Uh, which also brings you back to that last clip we listened to. You do mention you're bringing back Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And I remember that was a big issue with you and Russo. Did you have that yeah. paved over at this point or did you just decide? I didn't, I didn't give a fuck anymore. I was going to use the name. <laughs> And if he was going to sue me, let him come after me. Because <laughs> I, you know, 
he he worked me. He never he never trademarked that name. I mean, he was just trying to one up mm. me when we were having the problem. So he never incorporated it. He never did anything like that. It was just kind of a it was not true. So I just said, you know what? I'm using it. I started it. And if he's gonna come after me, you can't get fucking blood from a stone, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Sue me for all my pennies. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Uh yeah, that made sense too. Cause you had said in there you're like, it's the name I had forever. I'm going back to it. And I was like hmm. Exactly. Uh let's see. And then the la the <laughs> There will be plenty of phone lines when we go back to EBD. Seven or eight of them. You're so excited about that. I am. Instead of one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you had a couple newsletter guys call in. Uh, Brendan from Rockville Center, who ran Bombs Away Wrestling Newsletter, who said he mailed you a few. And James from Lindenhurst did Inside Informer. Yeah, James. Could could have been Jim from Lindenhurst. Yeah. I, I, you know, not really. Okay. I was wondering if you remembered the the newsletters. Or you, was that consistent well, bom- with you? Well, didn't Bombs Away become like a bigger seller than the Observer at the time? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I didn't find out about newsletters. I'm being no facetious. No. <laughs> yeah, but I just wanted everyone it, had a, everyone had a newsletter then. Everyone was coming out like. with a newsletter. All the fans were putting out their own newsletters. Uh, I'd get calls all the time, and I let them plug it. How often would you get them to send, or would they send them to you? And when you did, would you even read them? To be honest with you, I didn't even. If they did, they did. I don't, re, you know, remember anything that stood out other than Andrew Goldberger's at the time, which was kind of cool because mm-hmm. I remember him getting sued by Herb Abrams, <laughs> and he was and he was fourteen years old. <laughs> what a guy, Herb! Yeah, he wrote about her bouncing checks. <laughs> yeah, so he sues a child. Perfect. Yeah. He sued the child. He sued a child. Yeah. yeah. So good. That's the most perfect part of her is I'll never be shocked by stuff like that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, and Magnum TA left uh, WCW and you expected him to go back wherever Crockett pops up. So, yeah. Yeah. There uh, this is the last caller. He calls in with a comment about Sherry and Shawn Michaels, and he brings up a name that gets you to hang up on him immediately. Okay. And call him an idiot. <laughs> and I like frustrated John. <laughs> so let's see if you can pick up because I can't pick up the last name. I can't figure out who this this name is, but let's see if you know who it is. All right. Kevin from Oceanside. Hey John, how are you? I read in a newsletter this past week that since Sensational Sherry wasn't managing Shawn Michaels anymore, Shawn Michaels was gonna bring in Katie Pierce to manage him. Very intelligent young man. IQ of about ten. I guess you have to spend, uh, oh. get one idiot on the phone once in a while. And I do recognize that youngster's voice. Ah, he's an idiot. He didn't say anything really that bad, but he's just, uh, just a, a brainless moron. That's right, I'm talking to you. And that's not even your name, Kevin, from Oceanside. It's just, a, just an idiot, Mickey. What can you do? Wow. I was, my eyebrows, I was shocked when I heard him mention Katie Beers. Katie Beers, Katie, right? yeah. Katie Beers was a kid on Long Island that was kidnapped oh. and held uh, held in this uh, pervert's basement for several months. And then she Jeez. finally was able to escape. 
So she was held hostage and sexually abused. So, yeah, hearing it now, I mean, it was like my eyebrows just, what the hell is this? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that story. He's an idiot, that guy. He is. Kevin That's not even a joke. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. It takes all huh. kinds, man. Yeah. And then did did he hang up before you did? I thought I heard a click before I heard a. I don't know. I probably yeah. I might have hung up on. Who knows? But yeah. uh, that was so inappropriate, man. That was insane. Yeah, I was trying to figure out who it was, and I was like, "Well, that upset John immediately." But also, I was in the news at that time. Yeah. That was going on at that time. How did he think you're even supposed to respond to that? That's weird. That's well, he did it to put, he did it to push a button. He did it to get a reaction from me, of course. And I got one today. Yeah, <laughs> just still works. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, that's more or less the show. Uh, cool. Outside of that, that's when you. Uh, oh, one person called and asked you, "Why does Ric Flair woo?" And you go, <laughs> and you go, you don't just woo your friend, just you know, woo. And the guy's like, "Yeah, I guess that's true." <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I love the callers. Yeah, yeah, the callers are a big part of this thing and this whole adventure, this whole journey. The callers were always like. You know, the clips of the stars, really, the clips mm -hmm. and uh, the callers come in a very close second. You know, the clips of the personalities and the callers. So we'll have a lot more of that coming up. And I'm happy that this direction is where we're at now I mean, because I, I really enjoy talking about this stuff. I yeah. love listening to these callers and and hearing it and uh yeah so i'm hope i hope everyone's having the same uh good ride that we're having here and uh i just want to thank mark madden for coming on that was kind of cool and marsh of course i want to thank you for everything and uh let's do the shameless plugs and let everybody know where they could find you and what you're working on well i'm at ref marsh on twitter resting on the rocks.com for all that stuff i uh i'm at youtube.com slash queen of carnage with medusa uh at least once a week sometimes more depending on how much she needs to rant then. about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then apart from that you can find me right here with you all the time there so you go. that's right well that's great marsh man i want to thank you very much and uh this wraps up another edition of john arisi's pro wrestling spotlight podcast uh, you can join the private group at facebook.com slash pro wrestling spotlight podcast and radio show we have a public page on facebook that's matt memories and wow i'm telling you we, what response on instagram at john arezzi i mean i put up that picture of uh lanny poffo and uh, randy mm. and it's gotten like 1300 people have responded to that i mean yeah. it's like everything i'm posting on instagram right now the classic photos the social media clips and and the historic pictures that i shot I mean, people, I mean, Instagram has exploded mm -hmm. for me. Uh, the engagement is incredible. So thank you so much. It's uh, at John Arezzi Instagram, at John Arezzi on Twitter. Uh, don't forget to go to the eBay uh, site. Look for Matt Memories. You'll see some cool stuff there. And, of course, please become a patron, patreon.com slash John Arezzi. We really appreciate that because that helps with the production costs for the show. Uh, we have that sister podcast that we taped another episode uh, or actually we had our pre-production meeting today and 
the next show will be taped this weekend. It's from the February 23rd, 1973 show at Madison Square Garden. King Curtis against uh, Pedro Morales. Mil Mascaris on the card against Buddy Wolf. The Funks were there. Terry uh, Terry Funk and Dory Funk Sr. Vern Gagne was on the card. And uh, for patrons, I have movies, 8mm films of most of these. And you'll, if you're a patron in that level, you'll be able to see them in just a few weeks. And when we drop Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden on the 50th anniversary of me going to that show. So check it out. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden. And don't forget, if you listen to this podcast on your platforms, if you, you listen on Apple, please give us a five-star review. That really helps us out. I want to thank uh, our producer and creative director, Marsh. I want to thank our Patreon executive producers, Anthony Pyrus, who got his call from Eric Bischoff, by the way. <laughs> uh, and Anthony made it known that Bischoff did call him, and he was on our Zoom, uh, which was kind of cool. And uh, so, yes, Anthony, uh, that was kind of fun. And uh, Eric did give you a call so thank you to that executive producer mr pyrus and also joe holloway who was on our zoom as well and for all the patrons for your support with the production costs for this show thank you so much until next week when we relive more history and it's going to be a somber one uh, covering the 30th anniversary of the death of kerry von eric and uh, we heard back that kevin will be joining us so we certainly hope that takes place and we'll know next week until then this is John Arizzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.